0: to Cup of Cubby Blue. your The Cubs finally got Strowman a W, but still dropped two of three at Wrigley North Home for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. Subscribe so you never miss an episode, and leave us a five-star review if you like what you hear so other people can find the podcast as well. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs and the distances that the ball is or is not flying at Bleed Cubby Blue, and I am joined today by Danny Rocket. How is it going, Danny?
1: Oh, it is going. Happy Monday, everybody. Uh, It's nice to be going into this podcast talking about a win. So I'm way more positive this morning than I might otherwise be.
0: Yeah, the the order of the wins is important, although I have to say the whole like, there's nothing good about winning one out of every three games. That is a recipe for disaster (laughs) over the course of a long-term season. So I hope the Cubs kind of right the ship here. It has not been great in Wrigleyville these days, Danny.
1: Yeah. Uh, in case anybody doesn't remember the math on that, that's a three thirty-three winning percentage, which you know, <laughs> not very good. You would kind so,
0: of, you would like to avoid that as a general matter, of course.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, I I would anyway. It, it, especially when beers cost twelve dollars, I I feel like I deserve more wins if I'm going to sit out there and watch.
0: I feel like I deserve more wins, too. Although, before we talk about wins and losses, uh, can we talk about the fact that Wrigley North has definitely sprung a leak? And this is not the first time I've seen this. I went to a game to watch the Brewers play the Giants last year when Chris Bryant was a giant. And I don't know, I had this conference up in Milwaukee and I was like, I'm going to go welcome Chris Bryant as a good Cub fan will do. And I, I was, it was very melodramatic and whatnot, but the Giants wound up winning that game. It was great, but it was, it was raining pouring rain, similar to how it was this weekend during the Cubs and Brewers game. And what is the point of a roof if it rains through the roof? (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing. It's like they build these retractable roofs and you got the supply chain problems right now. And who knows why they can't fix the darn roof, but it, it obviously needs fixing. They need to put in some repairs to it, uh, because you can't be raining inside the, in the roof. Yeah. I mean, that just makes no sense. And especially because we have leaks in the roof in at the theater I work at Trapdoor theater, plug, plug, we open Thursday, uh, media <laughs> material, but, uh, the uh, we have leaks there and when it's a leak it it's all like culminating in one spot and then it's coming through it's not like regular rain that's just like falling on you it is like a, a giant could be torrential coming down and like pouring down in buckets in a very specific area so yeah it's uh it's kind of funny um yeah they got to get that roof fixed
0: yeah it was it was kind of bizarre to watch and and the reason it jumped out at me is because i took that same video last year. And it actually looks like it might've gotten worse. It looks like whatever is going on in Milwaukee is worse than it was last August. So y'all, y'all need to get that roof fixed. Um, That's
1: that's how leaks work. They usually get worse.
0: (laughs) The the Cubs sprung a leak and let a, a bazillion Brewers run score in these first two games. I think they gave up, Whatever they gained in Run Differential from that crazy Pirates game, all went back, gone, just gone in in two games to the Milwaukee Brewers. Let's talk about these games in order. Danny, will the real Kyle Hendricks please show up? Because this version of Kyle Hendricks does not have it.
1: Well, maybe this is the real Kyle Hendricks. That's the thing. It's the real Kyle Hendricks. No, not this specific one. The real Kyle Hendricks is a guy that will sometimes pitch like a Cy Young award winner and will sometimes give up three home runs. And we just don't know which one it'll be.
0: It is not good. Uh, There are a couple of things I noticed looking at some of Kyle's underlying numbers that give me pause and make me wonder what is going on here. One, he is throwing the sinker a lot less than he used to now I get it sinkers have kind of gone out of fashion in major league baseball and hardly anybody is throwing them very much anymore but Kyle Hendricks specifically threw that sinker so that he had a higher ground ball percentage than normal his ground ball percentage has basically collapsed this season it used to be well above 50 it's currently sitting at like 30.5 a Kyle Hendricks who throws lots of fly balls gives up lots of home runs and lots of hard contact that is a recipe for disaster and that hard contact rate is the second thing that I noticed when I looked at Kyle Hendricks's underlying numbers it it is up it is up way more than it has ever been in his career Uh, and if you think you know in 2016 Kyle Hendricks really did a nice job limiting hard contact he was one of the best in the game at it and this season he is not Um, Danny I don't I don't really know what to do here. Like I'm hopeful that there's a fix in the works. We've seen Kyle Hendricks struggle before and then put it together for like eight or nine starts in a row. Maybe his next start against the white Sox will be one of those, but I'm just not super optimistic about Kyle Hendricks starts right now.
1: I mean, I think it'll be better at home. He's done that over the years. I think it career wise, he's at least a whole run better. And then, uh, here's the thing. We face Milwaukee a lot. They've seen Kyle Hendricks a lot, so they didn't get to him on opening day, but I kind of throw that out because it was so cold and so miserable. So it's just a tough day to do everything. So if that, so it's hard to just take one start and say, oh, this is who he is. Um, you know, the, i just feel like Hendricks has lost a, at least a mile on the fastball, if not two. And. So yeah, quote yeah for the podcast listeners, <laughs> Sarah just made quotes with her fingers. And,
0: fastball, yeah,
1: fastball, um, yeah, but it's it's, a, it's even slower fastball now. And so if you're not getting just those couple mile per hour differences to keep people a little bit off their kilter, right, people batters, it, then they they can't time you up. Well, they're uh, they're timing them up. In Milwaukee, they were anyway. Plus, the Brewers cheat. I think at home, uh, you know. I'm just, I'm just gonna put that out there. We don't have to go into it, but that's what I think. And so that that doesn't help us. And then, you know, it, he's also getting older. So they know him. They have faced him. He's has less miles per hour. Like, there's a lot of things going into this. I think he'll be better against the White Sox this when he pitches next. But I, I, I just. It's sad to me. It's sad because Kyle deserves better.
0: (laughs) It's sad to me too. I am worried about this White Sox game and full disclosure. I I didn't start Kyle Hendricks this week uh, in my Tout Wars league where I have him. I couldn't bring myself to do it. I am starting Christian Javier, a kid for the Houston Astros, who's like their number six starter instead, because I just have a little bit more faith in Christian Javier against Seattle than I do with Kyle Hendricks against the White Sox. Part of that is I went and looked at Kyle Hendricks' numbers against the White Sox the last few times, and it's very hit or miss. It's very much like he either gets rocked or he does a great job, and I that kind of feels like what Kyle Hendricks is all the time right now. But he has got to get this hard hit rate under control. I just pulled it up on Baseball Savant again, and admittedly these numbers are slightly different depending on where you're sourcing them from. But according to Baseball Savant, Kyle Hendricks's hard hit rate in 2022 so far it's 40.8%. Oh, Compare man. that to his career of 30.5% or the year where he was second in Cy Young voting or third in Cy Young voting. I can't remember if John Lester came in second. In 2016 he was at 26.2%. I'm just telling y'all this is not the Kyle Hendricks that we are used to. Like a, a guy who gets hit hard 41% of the time with the arsenal that Kyle Hendricks has I, I I, I don't want to see that
1: It doesn't play. No, that frequently. doesn't play at all. And I just wrote something down in my notes on my phone here um, because I thought of the perfect thing because what we have is, you know, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. We have... Dr. Hendo and Mr. Kyle. Like, we don't know which <laughs> one we're going to get. We really don't. I really need to, uh, I need a uh, Photoshop of that, of you know, the original movie poster with two different Kyles. And, but it's like his face the same. You know, he has no expression. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Danny, like, I might have to change the name of this episode. I was going to call it a birthday W for Strowman in the Crosstown Classic, <laughs> but I think it might now be Dr. Hendo and Mr. Kyle. I, I, I'm going to have to change it. That's too, too good. <laughs>
1: Oh man. I, uh, that's funny, but yeah, I mean, we just, he's getting older. He's been around. I, I mean, I think every other start, and I know we've all seen pitchers like that in the past that it was just like, you could be like, Oh, if he gets out of the first, he'll pitch seven and he'll strike out six or something like that, you know? But if he doesn't get out of the first and he does 25 pitches, we're done. We might as well leave the ballpark right now because, <laughs> you know, they scored three runs in the first. This game is over. He's going to be out by the bottom of the third, you know?
0: Yeah, I – I mean, I think that's about right. A couple other notes from this game and the second game, incidentally. It appears that the Cubs pitching was exactly what was needed to fix Christian Yelich. So Ah. Christian Yelich is hitting bombs again. There were a lot of bombs in this game, considering the fact that the league has a home run issue. We'll talk about that in a second. But before we do, I just want to give a shout out. Alfonso Rivas, man, still doing great things offensively, defensively. Rivas came to play and I am here for it.
1: Yeah, we said on the last show, we said a couple things. First of all, we wanted Rivas to play more. He comes right back out that night, goes two for four, and, and me and Sarah look like geniuses. But what makes me look like an idiot is ripping on Christian Yelich and his terrible batting <laughs> average and how he had no – hitting for no power. And Sarah was like, well, I don't know, like – the peripherals are a little different than what you're looking at there. And I was like, no, he sucks. And then boom, we just got rocked by him. So I will take responsibility for being an idiot. And uh, Sarah was right, but um, yeah, but Rivas, very cool stuff. I, I think he's, he's gaining. Well, first of all, he was in, he's on the team now, so that's good. And they cut the rosters and he's still on the team. So that's also good. That so, is good. I agree. So, so they agree with us. And, um, and I never know why he went, got sent down, especially with the lack of the lefty pop that you're, that we have like, yeah, I mean, it's getting to the point. I just saw Cano got cut.
0: Yeah. We're going to talk about that uh, when we get to our MLB news and notes, but yes, the Mets decided Robinson Cano and his $40 million that they owe him is just not worth it. Now, part of that is, Don Smith has had a really nice couple of weeks and he, I mean, you cannot have both Don Smith and Robinson Cano on your team and they did not want to let Don Smith go. So right. that was a forced choice and they decided that Mr. Cano could see the door.
1: And so, and that's kind of what I, where I'm at with like Jay Hay right now, because I, I don't think the Cubs are any in, in the same roster crunch that the Mets would find themselves in because the Mets are trying. And the Cubs aren't. So uh they're like, oh yeah, we'll just like keep these four A players. But if we were really trying to win this year, uh uh they might be considering well, there would be a roster crunch and Jay Hay would be gone. And uh, you know, and I and I would hate to see A young guy, because this is kind of what the temperature I'm taking from Cubs fans, and this is all relating to Rivas. It's a roundabout way to get into him, but if there were a roster crunch and then these guys aren't getting a chance to play at the major leagues, whether it be Brennan Davis or Rivas or whoever it be, you know, and they're ready and they're ready to come up and start learning how to be a major league baseball player, because that is important, and you know, if and then you you have some roster crunch where these guys get left in triple a or these guys just because they have options, then I'm going to be pretty sad about, or the stupid clock that you're not supposed to have on these guys, you know, with manipulating the contracts, which I don't even know how they work that out. seems like a wink and a handshake deal as far as I can tell. So, um, You know, so, but yeah, hooray for Rivas. I do want to see him just straight up platooning with Frank, the tank. And if you want to both in the lineup, you have a DH now use it that way. Instead of having some weak hitting defense guy, like, or not even defense guy (laughs) instead of ever playing Nick, that magical ever.
0: Yeah. Nick Madrigal, man, apparently, I don't remember if it was the first game or the second game. I think it was the second game. So let's move to that right now. Uh, Struck out three times in this game. It is the first time in his career
1: <laughs> at
0: any level <laughs> that Nick Madrigal has struck out three times in the game. And look, I'm not going to go back and look at Nick Madrigal's Little League records. I'm just going to take his word on this one. But let's pause and reflect on this. This is a guy who never struck out. Like the reason he's in the majors, it's not because his arm is great. It's not because he hits home runs. He's a fast guy who makes contact. That's it. Like he doesn't strike out. I think that the White Sox fans called him Nicky two strikes or something. Yeah. Like he just never struck out. That is not what the Cubs have right now. What the Cubs have is a guy who is not making contact very well, who is striking out and who lollipops throws from second. And I, you know, I did not get into this on my Twitter while somebody um, came to, to talk about how Nick Madrigal was fine as a second baseman. and And one of our listeners was like, actually, he's not. <laughs> I'm just like you're absolutely right person who's in here like his arm is weak cuz his arm is weak. I don't know who thinks his arm is adequate but I don't.
1: It's like Arod thinking that Elmore is fast. Like it's just like where how does the how do these rumors get out there about these people? But I mean and listen, it's early. Maybe he's taking a second to get it going. He just came off the IL. Maybe he's not a he's not a video game. So I'm gonna be somewhat patient with this. We have really no choice. He's on the team. But the other thing I want to say about it is the Cubs and White Sox need to stop trading with each other. Stop. It never goes well. Not one time does it go well for the Cubs, and half the time it doesn't go well for the White Sox either. We I mean, yeah. look at Eloy. <laughs> you know, just like. I- just, just sitting there in a full good. body cast. so Cease
0: is having a good year. Um, Cease is,
1: yeah, I'm. Oh, and boy, could we use Cease right now?
0: Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that well, in the second half of the show when we get the to past. the get yeah. to the crosstown classic part, part yeah, of this. We, um, let's talk a little bit more about the second game here. It was it was ugly. The Cubs lost this game by a lot. Uh, I want to say one thing though. Justin Steele was done dirty in this game. Justin Steele's location and command and his stuff looked really good in this game, and the Cubs defense looked awful and they prolonged the first inning to the point where Steele had to throw. I think when I looked up, he was at like 33 pitches for the first inning. He should have been out of it. Well, before that there was a double play that got overruled and he had to keep pitching. I mean, the fact that Justin Steele held it together and did not blow up is a huge win in this game. And I, I I don't want people looking at this line and thinking Steele is a bad pitcher. In fact, I think the opposite is true. I thought that this was a gutsy performance from Justin Steele on a day where his defense totally let him down.
1: Yeah. I mean, that was a rough first inning. And then that was just, that was the game pretty much uh, at that point. He did give up. He did give up seven hits though. (laughs) I mean, I I know he got screwed by the errors and you're elongating the inning and maybe if you get the double play and one more run scored after that as well. And so.
0: It wasn't hard contact either. It wasn't like he was giving up, Right. Like rifles that were going 112 miles per hour, you know, I don't know. Like, I'm I'm just trying to look for, I'm looking for rainbows here, Danny.
1: Well, he didn't, I like Justin Steele. So, and I'm, I'm a fan of his, I'm just not sure that, I mean, he's like our, our quote unquote number two and that's a problem. So I don't know if, if really the better way to use him right now is as like, swing guy and I know we have all swing guys right now but is that how is he gonna learn if we're gonna count on him I just I just wonder if we're just hanging him out to dry is just kind of how I feel about it like and because of what happened the night before with Hendo like steel in in many ways was supposed to have to wear it and he couldn't because it you know giant first inning and that's on his defense and I get it he couldn't settle down into it but Two, I don't know.
0: two things I want to point out about Justin Steele from his StatCast page, and then we can talk about the fun okay. games where the Cubs win things. Um, one, his hard hit rate is lower than Kyle Hendricks is right now. I believe but, it. But number two, his barrel percentage is in the 90th percentile in the league. He's given up one barrel all season long. He is not giving up the type of contact that loses you baseball games. And so I am interested to see what Mr. Steele can continue to do. I also recognize that it has been, you know, he, you're right. We do not want Justin Steele as the number two or number three starter. It would be much better if he were trying to figure this out as the number six guy. And instead he's just been thrust into the top end of this rotation.
1: Yeah. I just don't know him enough as a person. If that moment's too big for him, they are, they treat these kids with kid gloves all the time. And then sometimes they just throw them into the fire and see what you got. And you, we've seen so many dudes come and the moment is really big for them, and they succeed, and then they flame out really fast. Like, it happens so many different ways. How it happens for Justin Steele, I don't know. But you, the what I compare it to is, like, how I felt they dealt with Kyle Hendricks, where they wouldn't let him get deep into games a lot of times, and he would never was expected to. And Joe Madden always had somebody to kind of – not necessarily piggyback with him, but th- no matter where they were, it was the fourth inning. He's not pitching the fifth. Like, even if he's cruising, we're going to do this the, the a way that we're going to protect our guy. And I feel like steel is just kind of like going to have to wear all these losses. Cause I don't know. It just, no, I haven't, I'm with you. You, you know, it's just like, I, I wonder if the moment is too big in a, in a way like he's, he's getting too exposed or something like I, I don't know. So Partly I'm like, no, let the man pitch. He's got himself here. Let him go see what we got. But I don't know. Confidence is a funny thing in this game.
0: No, that's fair. I mean, I think what you're talking about with Kyle is they were very cautious of him g- getting third time through the order with anyone for like the first two or three years of his major league career. And Steele has certainly not had that type of kid glove or caution applied to him for that matter, matter neither did Albert Alzali? I think that this might just be a difference of the way David Ross manages versus the way Joe Madden manages, but point well taken. You are absolutely correct that Hendricks got some protection that not the young pitchers for the Chicago Cubs are currently not getting, they're just getting thrown into the deep end.
1: Yeah. It just hasn't been going well, ultimately. So it's, I, I know what you're saying about the peripherals of, of the guys aren't squaring him up. He's not giving up a lot of hard contact that's going to play. If you can get a defense behind you, or if you can turn yourself into a strikeout pitcher, but at this uh, at this point, I, I'm just I'm not sure. Like, is it something that he needs to go down? And I, you say he doesn't that he's fine. Just keep him up here. Keep doing what you're doing, kid. And well, it's not, not even play. that I.
0: It's not even that I think he's fine. It's, I, there is nobody else. I-
1: yeah. Well, that's. I said it last. I, listen, I said it last night on Sunranto too. I, I we're talking about Steel and I was like, "Hey, you know, maybe he could, you know, spend a couple of weeks, you know, down at AAA working on some stuff, and then come back up." And I'm like, "Wait." then who the hell will pitch? (laughs) Like we got nobody. Oh man. He's just got to go out there.
0: Keegan Thompson could be a starter, but that's basically Justin Steele. I mean, Keegan Thompson and Justin Steele are kind of the same guy and you don't want to really run the risk of breaking either one of them. (sighs) Let's talk about the game. That was good. Uh, We'll have lots of time to talk about the Cubs lack of starting pitching over the course of this season. Uh, Corbin Burns was dealing. He had a perfect game going into what the fifth inning was. That when Patrick Wisdom hit that bomb, maybe mm. the sixth. I don't know. It was. It really looked it like was the, late, yeah. It really looked like the Cubs might do absolutely nothing against Corbin Burns until Patrick Wisdom had his moment. But Str- Marcus Stroman was dealing even more. And I mean, I love one. I love that it was Stroman's birthday. I love that the Cubs finally got him a W. I love that they got him a W as he was going toe to toe against the reigning NL Cy Young winner, who was also having quite the day. Marcus Stroman threw seven innings. He gave up two hits, zero earned runs. He only walked one guy. He struck out five. Uh, Corbin Burns threw seven innings. He gave up four hits, two runs, both of them earned, struck out 10, walked one. Doesn't matter that he won the strikeout game when he gave up both of those runs. The first run was a wisdom home run that, you know, wisdom just really put the barrel of the bat to that baseball and did what Patrick Wisdom does when he makes contact, which is hit the ball a very, very, very long way. And then the other run was the courtesy of Rivas Rivasing. Uh He gets on base and then Seiya Suzuki drove him in with a double that was a real nice piece of hitting. I loved that. I loved all of it. Um, yay, Strowman.
1: Yeah, the real the Stro Show was on full display and that was cool to see. And and I know wins don't matter, but the 0 and 3 was it looked bad <laughs> when you were when you just looked at it in the box score, you're like, oh, hasn't even won yet. And so he got his first W. But he pitched well against the Braves as well. And he pitched well in his first game. There was only the like really a couple innings. Of all that he's pitched as in a Cubs uniform, that didn't go well, and uh, I'm sure he was happy to get that, especially on his birthday. But what do you give up? Two hits only, two hits. Yeah, and uh, very efficient. Ninety pitches, fifty nine of them for strikes. So you know he looked really great. Um, I I think he can build on that success, and I also think that Marcus Stroman loves facing the reigning NL. Cy Young award winner. Cause he's thinking about it all week about how he's going to beat him. So it's, it's really cool. And another thing about Marcus Stroman is I get to meet him in less than a month. Oh, nice. Out at club 400 uh, there. And I do, do want to plug this too. club 400 Cubs is where you can buy tickets to go to club 400 and meet Marcus Stroman on May 27th. I believe it's the off day for the Cubs, a weird Friday off day. And we're going to be partying out there with Marcus Stroman. So if you want tickets, there's very few left. But uh, you get all the swag with it, too. And uh, it's all for charity. So,
0: Good stuff. Definitely go check that out. Our friends at Club 400 are great. Uh, Stuart McVicker does a great job out there. Stuart, if you are listening, uh, keep doing the great work that you've been doing.
1: And and can we talk about Patrick Wisdom? Because the dude's got a batting average, too.
0: Yeah, let's talk about Patrick Wisdom. I mean,
1: it's... First of all, what does he got? 4 homers
0: now? I mean, technically all players have a batting average. It's just a question of whether it is good or bad that Well,
1: I mean, you know what I mean? Like it's it's a, a batting average above 200. He's batting 243 <laughs> with 4 home runs with the 822 OPS and that I was worried that he was just going to strike out 50% of the time. And he still does strike out a fair amount of times, but it's not as bad as I had feared. So I just want to give credit where credit is due to our man PW because um, he's pretty much our only home run hitter. (laughs) So we got to love him. I mean, mean, Wilson can hit him, but like, you know.
0: So I was looking at Wilson's numbers. It's so random that you bring this up right now because he does have a couple of long balls. He also has one of the hardest hit rates in major league baseball. Like the ball is just jumping off of Wilson Contreras's bat like it normally does. But This year, as opposed to some other years, Wilson's launch angle is a little lower than it used to be. He normally hits the ball in like the 11 to 13% launch angle range. Uh, He's actually got it down to about 7.6 degrees last time I looked, and I think that is deliberate. I, I can't prove this. I haven't heard anybody report on this, and I don't think anyone's asked him this, but I've just been watching his swing and the way he's been adapting. I think after some near misses on home runs with the ball not traveling as far as it has, Wilson has flattened his swing plane a bit so that he will make contact in a line drive fashion rather than a home run fashion, because he was falling just short early in the season on some balls that kind of died on the warning track. And if you notice, he kind of like, so he had all those early outs in key moments and then he switched it up. And now all of a sudden he's like lacing line drive doubles all over the place. And he's, kept the hard hit contact rate up. He's kept the exit below up. So anyway, that's my hunch on Wilson Contreras at the moment, but it's it's admittedly a very small sample size and it could just be a fluke.
1: Yeah, it could be. I mean, there was some talk about how his numbers with runners on was kind of bad, but such a small sample size, but yeah. But at the same time, it's, it's like, I'm happy if it makes me happy that he would do something like that and try to hit more line drives, especially when in those situations, because there's a lot of times that he just would need like a single. I I remember one specific time. I don't know which game, but I remember one time being like, all he needed was a single and he's just swinging out of his shoes, falling over. And he strikes out because he, uh, because he had a bad call on the second pitch. So he got mad and missed everything from then on. And you know what I mean? It's like, I would rather Wilson Contreras being going up with a situational mind and just doing what with his bat, what needs to be done in that moment. So if he can switch that up, I mean, I don't think he is a home run hitter. I know he can hit home runs, but I don't consider him a home run hitter. Does that?
0: Yeah, it makes sense. I, I think of Wilson as a high on base percentage catcher who has a ton of power which is generally good for about 20 home runs a year. But frankly, what you're looking for from him is real, really just hard contact. Um, and as long as yeah. he's keeping the ball off the ground, so he's not grounding into double plays, I'm fine with him transfer, like translating that power into doubles or hard hit singles or anything, you know, anything that is contact oriented as opposed to trying to hit the ball over the fence in a year where the ball is pretty dead. I mean, I, was just listening to someone calling it like the mushball or something because of Shit. the way that it's playing right now. But we can talk about that. Uh, we can talk about that more for sure later. Um, one other note from this game. It, it was interesting to me that David Ross opted to go from Rowan Witt to David Robertson and just kind of bypassed Michael Gibbons, who had a bit of a blow up down in Atlanta. I don't know if that's a permanent thing or if he was just giving Gibbons some rest because Gibbons threw a lot of pitches the other day, but certainly something to keep an eye on.
1: Yeah. I mean, the bullpen is because of the starters going so short in the games is, is being overused already this season. I haven't looked up how many bullpen innings the Cubs have used, but I'm sure it's been a fair amount. Now a lot of teams have used a fair amount this year because of the short spring. But um, I, that's the thing with a bullpen. It's kind of a rolling thing and it's a circle of trust and, these guys are all new and they're new to Rossi too. So he's trying to figure out who, where the matchups are. And he's very much in my estimation, a, a bit of a front office. Yes, man. So that's probably all coming down from the, the, the little black book that they have up in the, in, in uh, Cubs towers. So um, they, they know what they're going to do and who they're going to pitch against who before the game even starts on the other team. So they, they know that stuff if they can, if they can set it up, Now, sometimes you can't do it because of the wheels fall it (laughs) off. Then you you send Ian happen there to pitch or something, but, uh, you know, it's, um, yeah, you're going to look for your one, two punch David Robertson. If he keeps pitching like this, isn't going to be on this team all year though. So
0: yeah, uh, that's very, that's point. Well taken. David Robertson is definitely a trade chip at this moment in time. We're going to take a quick break. From our sponsors, just as a heads up, uh, on the flip side, we're going to start with some news around the league that will include some news about um, Trevor Bauer's suspension. And if you do not want to hear news about Mr. Bauer, I suggest that you just skip uh, past the first five minutes after the break. And then we will be right back with uh, other news and notes from around the league and a preview of White Sox stuff. But first, a quick word from our sponsor. All right, uh let's just get this out of the way quickly. It's the most unpleasant thing to talk about. Uh Trevor Bauer who was pitching for the Los Angeles Dodgers last year and had been um had a restraining order temporarily placed against him that eventually got dropped because of allegations made by a woman that he did a lot of non-consensual stuff during a I don't even. Know. I I can't. I during an encounter that had consensual elements. I, Danny, I yeah. help me out here. People,
1: if hey, if people want to go look up the story, go ahead and yes, look up the story.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Let's. Yeah, no, um, I, it's not I, on yes. us to tell you what happened. Thank because you. Because I just
0: really this. I I really can't get into it right now. There's something about this whole story that makes me cringe. the The important thing here is that that um, information was ultimately backed up by two other women who had had encounters with Mr. Bauer that were similar in the past. And MLB finally completed their investigation that has gone on for more than a year now uh, looking into what did or did not happen in terms of Trevor Bauer and MLB's domestic violence policy as a reminder, the domestic violence policy does not require that there be a conviction in order for there to be a punishment. There is no conviction in Mr. Bauer's case, but MLB has elected to suspend him for two years in accordance with the domestic violence policy, Bauer has said that he will fight this. I just have to say, I did not expect MLB to do this. I am pleasantly surprised for once at something that they did. I think that this this is the longest suspension of any player under the domestic violence policy. It is not retroactive. He does not get credit for any of the games that he missed while he was on administrative leave It that Suspension started on Friday and it will be for 324 games, which runs through the length of his Dodgers contract. We may never see Trevor Bauer pitch and MLB again, Danny. That's all I got. What do you got?
1: Well, I mean, MLB, MLB doesn't like him and nobody likes him. Cause he's a, you know, he's a total uh, such and such. And I know we don't swear on this show, but he, but he prides himself. He's proud to be, can we say uh, he's an, an internet troll. Yeah, he's an internet troll. He's proud to be a jerk. And so when people don't like you and you end up getting caught doing something like this, then, yeah, nobody's going to really have a whole lot of sympathy for your situation. You're not contrite. You're you're not sad about it. You're still yelling at everybody. So, like, sorry. That's that. Pete Rose made the same idiotic mistake. He just kept being a jerk, and you're like, well, guess what? (laughs) You're out. So then that's how that works because they have the antitrust. And not because they have the antitrust, but this is an old boys' network and it's also an entertainment enterprise. And so, if your product is not entertaining to the fans or there's all this controversy that's very distracting, that is damaging to the league and people being fans of the league. If you've got jerks like Trevor Bauer running around, sure, he might be fun to boo and yell at, but it's not good for kids to be around that or hearing about this stuff. And, uh, you know, you're trying to have a family friendly show. That you're putting on to people. And Trevor Bauer's not letting it happen. So guess what? You can't work here. Go play in the Penal League because we don't care. Uh, you know, there's plenty of other pitchers to take your place. I don't care if you want a Cy Young. I don't care what you did or how good talented you are. You're not allowed to run around the earth being a total jerk off and let people and just do what you want because people don't like you. And that is enough to get you kicked out. And that's what happened. If you were a nice guy and you slipped up this once and you had this one little like dalliance with a hooker or whatever you did, you know that that you're like, sorry, I didn't mean it. i will never do it again. I'm in. I'm in uh, therapy. I have se- I'm a sex addict. Whatever you have to do to get out of it, he did none of those things. So screw him. Bye. Later. Good riddance to bad rubbish. Hope you never pitch in the major leagues again. Go. Uh, go find something else to do. Later.
0: I mean, that's how I, th- I feel about it. I, yeah, I think that's on point. I also just think it's worth noting that, like, this is I, a lot of people are out on Twitter and on the internet, you know, oh, he wasn't convicted, due process, this, that, and the other thing. The CBA that's process, matter. It well, the MLB investigatory CBA process is due process in this instance. It, you don't have a right to a job in Major League Baseball. Uh, if you're just like, you don't have a right to a job in the private sector, right? Like if your employer finds something exactly. that you've done that violates company policy or that violates the image that they want their company to put forward to the world, does that require that you've had a criminal conviction in order to be fired from your job? And in this instance, Trevor Bauer knowingly and repeatedly violated a policy that the league takes very seriously. And I, I agree, Danny, that part of why he's not getting, you know, I don't know, kid gloves. Oh God, I can't even think about it. Like, I, look, there's him being a jerk is an element of this, but the actual accusations that were made against him are so disturbing and so troubling. And the fact that there are not one, not two, three, three women who spoke to MLB on the record about their experiences with him and they all say functionally the same thing is more than enough for me. I hope he never picks up a baseball to throw a major league baseball pitch again.
1: Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to cheer for him. I don't want to boo him. I don't want to see him. And that's the thing is, that's what ML Major League Baseball is. It's something to, for the fans to see. And if the fans don't want to see it, then they're not going to show it to us because we won't go look at it. And that's how they make money. It's, like, very simple. And if I was, like, let's say I'm the spokesperson for Arby's, which I used to be. I used to be the guy who said, I'm thinking Arby's. It'll have you saying, I'm thinking Arby's. You've heard my voice a million times. You didn't even know it. So, but let's say I'm the voice of Arby's and I get caught, you know, at the insurrection or something, you know? You think that Arby's is going to be like, oh, that's cool. They he's, He has a right because he's so good at being the spokesman for our roast beef. So he can do what he wants politically and get caught doing this. He can, uh, you know, kill a man and, you know, or, or, or hunt rhinos, rare rhinoceroses and, uh, you know, like I, whatever. They have every right to fire me because I am not the right person for their image of their company. And I think that, you know we got to keep these guys out of MLB because you want it to be for kids. You want it to be for families, uh, you know, and Hey, every other profession is like this. You can't, you're going to get fired if they, fi- if they find out that, you know, you went to jail in in Las Vegas, you know, getting caught with a pound of cocaine, you're out. You don't get to keep right. your job. Like that's how it works.
0: Right. So that's all we're going to say about that. I'll timestamp this on the episode so that everybody can rejoin us if they didn't want to hear any of that. And I don't blame you. I don't want to to hear any of it anymore. Uh, We already talked about the Mets and Robinson Cano. Uh, A couple other notes from around the league before we move on to previewing the Crosstown Classic. Anthony Rizzo is your league leader in home runs. Kyle Schwarber is second in the NL with seven. Uh, I love the fact that the only people hitting home runs are former Cubs out there doing their things. That's not entirely true. CJ Crown's having a real yeah. nice year. Some other guys are hitting some home runs as well, but can we just pause and reflect on the fact that Rizzo and Schwartz are going to be the power bats in MLB this year? We're all just going to have to watch it from afar uh, and wish. Yeah.
1: Freaking and it's the one thing that Cubs really need. Like we're like, we need to keep Rivas because he's our only lefty power bat, even though it's not that powerful. And then you got two lefties that we had on the team, not just but a year or two ago year and two years ago. And uh, just not, not a, we got nothing.
0: Not a, yeah, it is. It is a bummer for sure. Um, but good <laughs> luck to both of Funny. them. Love watching, <laughs> love watching Rizzo and Schwarber mash wishing they were still doing it for the Chicago Cubs. Uh, I don't know, Danny, if, if you saw this pitch clock video that is making the rounds showing, um, as far as I can tell, it looks like a guy who swings and he kind of he swings and misses. He steps out of the box for like, as far as I can tell, six point five seconds or so, like maybe seven seconds. It was like six and a half seconds when I counted. And he strikes out because he's apparently violated the pitch clock. This is the absolute worst. I do not want to see this in September. I do not want to see this in the playoffs. If the Cubs ever, strike out this way against the Cardinals. I'm going to lose my mind. I am okay with the idea of some moves to try to speed up the game a little bit. I think that the pitch clock as enforced in this particular video is awful.
1: Yeah. I didn't really understand. I just thought it was when I did see the video, but it wasn't a mistake on the umpire's part.
0: Well, that's a great question. It has to be right. Like it can't be a like a 15 second.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when the pitcher gets the ball back, is 15 because it's, I know it's on the batter too, but it's also on the pitcher. Like, once the pitcher gets the ball back, it's 15 seconds to figure out what he's going to do,
0: right? But the batter has to be back in the box after a certain amount of seconds, and the pitcher has time to throw. And so, if the batter, so I think the ba- this is another element of this. So, I think the batter is on a slightly different clock than the pitcher is, is the way I heard Theo explain this to Doug Glanville and Jason Stark over on the Athletics podcast a couple weeks ago. And if that's the case. If this is just a recipe for disaster, I mean, I can just imagine Angel Hernandez, he already doesn't know what balls and strikes are. Now he's trying to keep the clock on. It's been six seconds since the batter stepped out. It's been 12 seconds since the pitcher. Like, can we just make this simpler somehow? Because this looks gross. I don't like it.
1: Yeah. And it's another kind of dumb thing for the fans to have to keep track of. And you just, baseball's got its rhythm and I wish they wouldn't mess with it and they know it's messed up because they're like, Oh, but it doesn't happen in the playoffs. Ah, you know? So the same with the extra inning double man at second rule, but it doesn't happen in the playoffs yet. Yeah, do you know why? Because it's stupid and nobody wants to see it. And so when you're on the biggest stage, you know, not to do it because it's dumb. Um, the only people that like those rules are the ones like, yeah, and it's the people that are driving the bus too. It's the beat writers. It's the. It's not the fans. The fans, you know, the, some of them are like, ah, oh, b- baseball's boring. But th- that's where they're tra- changing the rules under the guys under. But really, what it is is the players like it because. They don't have to work as hard. They don't like the pitch clock, I don't think, but they they like the extra innings rule that way that's supposed to speed up the game because they get to go home earlier. So do the beat writers. So do they don't have to pay the concessions people all this time. They're not selling beer after the eighth, so they're not making that money. So it's just like, you know, it, th- those are the people that like it. Fans don't really like it. The pitch clock thing, I mean, sure, the, the guy doing his batting gloves and walking around and looking down at third base coach, scratching his his nether regions, and then getting back in the box. Like, there are people that definitely abuse this. You know, the, there's pitchers that abuse it, too. The human rain delays, they used to call certain guys. And um. so, yeah, can, can you clean that up? Sure. But to have it be a rule where a guy strikes out, or, like, if the pitcher doesn't pitch, it's a ball, or, I mean, you can affect big moments that way. In a game, and it's going to be stupid because it, you're like, well, the whole game hinged on that dumb ball four call when you know a guy got on elongated the inning. Next one hits two run home, we lost homer, and we lost. You know, it's a, it's gonna. I don't think fans will enjoy that.
0: Yeah, I if I remember correctly, when I was listening to Theo talk about this on the Athletics podcast, one of the things he said is that they started with like a 20 second clock, and they decided that the 20 second clock was too long, so they made it like a 17 second clock or. 15 second clock or whatever I this is where consultant optimization practices are not necessary right like if you have a 20 second <laughs> clock and the 20 second clock leads to a nice rhythm rhythm of the game without any violations where nobody's like getting walked because they didn't pitch fast enough and nobody's striking out because they didn't swing fast enough that is ideal in my mind like you don't want there to be any penalties on these guys and you want the game to feel. Organic and normal that doesn't that is not an invitation to shorten the clock to 16 seconds or 17 seconds to see what happens like to see if you can eke four seconds a pitch out of each at bat and somehow make it even better right like go back to the 22nd clock that doesn't impact things hardly ever at all, except when maybe a Pedro Baez is on the mound or something. I yeah. really, there's so many ways for them to mess this up. If they try to make it like a 17.25 second clock. Cause that's what their metrics show that the most optimal blah, blah, dirt or is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And they never had a clock back in the seventies. He's got up there and played, you know, and it was and the games were two hours and 15 minutes long with no clock. Yeah. The whole, yeah. so it's gotta be something else. and, I don't know if it's like the all the advanced metrics and the planning that goes into this stuff. And oh, we, oh, we switch the signs, and now uh, two fingers is a fastball. And it, I mean, well, maybe signs some of should that should
0: go away. The signs should go away. They're all using the pitch comp thing now, like which also no doesn't signs. work
1: half there's the no time. Signs. <laughs> but the the pitch, yeah, and and now they could call it from the Cubs towers. They don't even need to have the catcher do it. And that's probably why they don't want to sign Wilson. They're like, we're not going to pay for that. We're just going to put basically dude. a robot. Yeah. A, a dude back there. We're going to tell him what to call. There's no such
0: thing as robot Wilson. I, I will die on this hill. All right.
1: <laughs> Hologram will, Wilson.
0: We will solve the pitch clock another day, but to be clear, I don't like it. And apparently neither does any. Uh, let's talk about the crosstown classic. The white Sox are headed to Wrigley field for a two game set that starts Tuesday night uh, here uh, in Wrigleyville. Uh, the pitchers for the Cubs will be Drew Smiley and Kyle Hendricks. We have no idea which version of Kyle Hendricks is going to show up. So stay tuned for that one. The White Sox will be rolling with Michael Kopeck and Lucas Giolito. Danny, what do you see in the probable pitcher matchups here?
1: <laughs> well, we certainly have our work cut out for us. That's for, that's for sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it depends which Hendo shows up. I like our chances with Wrigley Hendo. It's supposed to rain on Tuesday a lot all day. So I don't know that even this might not be how it all goes down anyhow. So, but either way, we're the back of our rotation and the front of it, but smiley has been pitching a lot better than I think we, not necessarily than we expected, but he definitely has risen to the occasion of, of being a pretty serviceable like back end piece of the rotation. He's another one that I don't know stays on the team for uh, the whole year. If, if he continues to do this and has value in that respect. Um, but I like Smiley and, uh, but the White Sox, they I believe they hit lefties pretty well.
0: Well, and, we're going to talk about the White Sox hitting because the White Sox hitting has not really been a great well, it so far this season. Yeah, um, I know he hasn't
1: showed up. They're hurt. The hurt Eloy's already hurt and he kills us at Wrigley. He loves hurting the team that traded him away that he, he thought does. he was going to come up. Play. He loves hurting us. And um, so I'm glad. I'm not glad he's hurt, but I'm glad we don't have to face him. I'll tell you that much. Um
0: It does look like uh you're right about the rain on Tuesday. It does look like the Cubs and White Sox have a mutual off day on Thursday the 5th. Yeah. So it's possible that they could just um, move that Tuesday game to Thursday, I suppose, and not have to worry as much about the. Although the weather looks terrible all week, I was.
1: It does. I it's have, gonna rain Thursday.
0: It's gonna rain like it's just gonna be cloudy and rainy forever. We are in the middle of third winter that never ends. Always winter, never Christmas. That's that's Chicago right that's now. Okay. Yeah. Uh We are Narnia, y'all. Um. All right. So looking ahead to Lucas Giolito and Kyle Hendricks, I. I just really feel like the Cubs are going to be lucky if they can eke out a win out of one of these two games.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's how I feel about it too. I mean, the White Sox have been bad, which you, you, and they're, well, the Cubs have a better record than the White Sox. They well, got, they had that crazy. They had a crazy road losing streak where they didn't win a game. I think the entire time on the road, maybe they got one, I don't know, but uh, they, they were losing to, I think, division rivals too. They I know they got swept by Kansas city. And you know the Southsiders are looking at this, being like, oh my God, what happened? Now, my Dr. Gonzo theory is like Tony LaRussa is a ridiculous choice to be their manager, and they're not gonna win anything. Well, he's the manager, and they're gonna wreck their whole window through this through this garbage. Um, and uh and so I don't know, man. Maybe the White Sox aren't as scary as everybody predicted them to be number one. They're losing to the twins, they're losing to the they're losing to the Royals, you know, maybe we can beat them too. If they just keep scuffling and like may, maybe LaRussa loses the team. Like, I don't know what's going on down there, but it was a pretty disappointing April for those guys. They have one less win than the Cubs. They played yeah. one less game too.
0: They also are not hitting very good as a team. So let's move to the hot bats portion of the show before we close it out. So, you know we were just ta- and, and admittedly we, we just talked about this with the Brewers and the Brewers weren't hitting very well as a team until they saw yeah, that let's not jinx I'm sure it with I'm sure so. those Brewers numbers are looking much better right now I might go check that out later just to make myself sad um but coming into this series the White Sox have a team WRC plus of 85 that is 15% below league average they are hitting 218 as a team the only white Sox players with a wrc plus over 100 right now are tim anderson andrew vaughn who is day-to-day at the moment i think he's got some nagging injury issues too and danny mendick uh, anderson is has wrc plus of 176 vaughn has a wrc plus of 160 and mendick has a wrc plus of 141 but that is Really it for them right now. I saw a stat somewhere that Luis Robert has swung at like 38 out of 50 first pitches so far this year. I mean, he's just swinging out of his shoes at the moment. And as Danny already noted, Aloy Jimenez is is hurt. So we're we're catching the White Sox at a time that they are not hitting very well. The weather is not supposed to be particularly great. I would love to see that hitting slump continue at Wrigley Field.
1: Yeah, that's the hope. Because you, you know what, we just saw it. The Brewers weren't hitting well either. And then they came and saw the Cubs and uh, it changed. But maybe the weather's on our side. It's going to be terrible. Uh, they'll be playing through some rain. That seems to have benefited the Cubs somehow this year so far.
0: It it does seem to have benefited the Cubs somehow. Uh, let's hope it still does. The Cubs will come into this game. Their glossy hitting numbers have gone down a bit since the last time we took a look at them um the cubs are currently they have a wrc plus of 108 that's down from the 119 they took in to wrigley north and their batting average is 246 as a team that's down from the 260 they took into wrigley north how about the cubs start hitting again that would be cool all of these numbers are going to sound better than they are because they've all fallen off a little bit from where the Cubs were before. But it's still worth noting that Alfonso Rivas continues to stay hot. He has WRC Plus of 224. Please keep playing him. David Ross, thank you very much. Uh, Saya Suzuki did rebound a tiny bit. His WRC Plus is back to 162. I think that, um, you know, he didn't make a ton of contact in that Milwaukee series. I actually thought he looked like he was watching way too many pitches. I'd like to see him swing a bit more. But when he swung, he made some good contact with the bat. Uh, Ian Happ continues to... Excel, He has his WRC Plus is at 151. Wilson Contreras is at 129. He's been solid all season, right around that 130 mark in terms of being 30% above league average at driving guys in. And Patrick Wisdom continues to stay hot as Danny noted earlier, his WRC Plus is at 133. Um, He's only striking out only, quote unquote, 38.5% of the time, which by Patrick Wisdom's standards are pretty good. Yeah. I think mean, if he keeps that K rate under 40 and keeps hitting bombs, Patrick Wisdom is going to be just fine.
1: Yeah, the, the offense definitely was the problem on the road it, it, this time around. We, did, we just didn't score a lot of runs, it, really, the whole week against the Braves or against uh, – there, there was the one Patrick Wisdom home run that scored three of the runs, and I think that was, like, pretty much half our runs for the entire uh, week was that one, Bob, maybe a little bit less than half, but – um, so yeah, they've they've got to come in. It's gonna be tough because you got Kopac, you got Giolito. I mean, it's it's gonna be cold. This is, I think, you know, I just said, and then I started thinking about it. I'm like, for some reason, the bad weather has seemed to benefit us. And then I thought about maybe why, is because if you if you're not trying to hit a home run on a day where you can't, especially with the dead ball and you're just, you know that you just need to play some station-to-station baseball, get a couple runs across, and there's a good chance you could win the game by a very low score, uh, that you could end up on the right side of those three-twos, two-ones, four-threes. You know what I mean? One-nothings even. Yeah. So yep. it, it, it could be that because I, how many times did you see the Cubs get beat that way because they were trying to hit home runs on days that you can't? wind blowing in cold, rainy, whatever it be. So, so that's, if, if we win, that's how.
0: I think that's a really great point. I also think that this Cubs team is they're they're getting walks. They're getting contact every now and again, that contact just finds a bunch of gloves. And so I think that's part of why you're seeing you know, some games where they struggle to score one or two runs, they struggle to get more than three or four hits. When they, when those balls find a hole, when they actually turn into a single or a double, this Cubs team is a lot better. And I will still take those odds over the odds of trying to hit a home run on every pitch because we see how that is not working out for teams like the White Sox right now.
1: Yeah, who are built pretty much well. They're hurt. They're, they're some of their biggest hitters. Uh, well, the Eloy's hurt. So, um, yeah, with the dead ball too, you don't know what you're getting. It's, I feel like there's, everybody's just in this weird adjustment mode still right. as the season begins and trying to figure out what's going on because it's been different. Some, the Mets say it's been different within the game. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. W- Chris. That's, and, and I'm wondering if it's different during the game up in Milwaukee sometimes just yeah, wondering.
0: I mean, <laughs> we can get into conspiracy theories about <laughs> Milwaukee and the baseball as the season progresses, if that continues to be a thing. In the meantime, Danny and I are going to be tweeting all of our thoughts about the Crosstown Classic from our social media accounts. Danny, where can people find your Crosstown Classic takes?
1: At Sonranto, S-O-N-R-A-N-T-O. It's like Ron Santa, but the R and S are switched around
0: find danny at at you can find me at at bcb underscore sarah you can find both of us and all of the notes and news from the show at at cup of cubby blue if the cubs somehow manage to actually play these games against the white Sox and maybe win one or two of them you will hear about it here on cup of cubby blue on thursday's off day or thursday's have a game day or whatever before the dodgers come to town
1: until next we'll figure it out